Welcome to the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. In this segment, I'll be covering four cognitive biases and begin to introduce countermeasures. The first countermeasure probably won't seem like one at all, but it's a major factor. It's knowing your purpose. Purpose is so important on your transformation journey. Without a clear and large enough why, there is no context for motivation. And I say motivation is having a motive for action. Now, we need that to go forward, especially when the going gets rough. If your purpose is big enough, you will look forward to each day because when you make progress, you're getting a dopamine hit, which reinforces the desired behaviors. The same as hunter-gatherers went out to find food despite the presence of lions and tigers and bears. That dopamine hit is enough to make them overcome their fear. Think about that. When there's no purpose, it's actually a multiplied negative effect. Just as dopamine is the feel-good neurotransmitter, serotonin can make you feel good when things are going well, but when it dips, you can feel lousy real fast. I call it the one-upsman hormone. When you're one-upping someone, you may get a rush of serotonin, but when someone one-ups you, you may experience a dip. You can get this same one-up response by connecting to making progress on your purpose. So the first preventive measure is to have a purpose. I'll provide a link in this episode for a purpose guide that I created that's designed to help you uncover your purpose and marry it with your passion without experiencing purpose anxiety. It's a self-guided, editable PDF that you can use again and again. The guide features multiple ways of getting at the purpose, so jump in and have fun. If you go through all the steps, I guarantee you'll have a working purpose statement at the end. I recommend immediately begin setting goals aligned with that purpose so you can start locking in that new direction. Keep them simple, especially in the beginning. It's more about the process, like building muscle memory. You want to be engaged so it becomes real. Now, how will the purpose help with cognitive biases? Well, for one, without a purpose, we're more like wandering generalities rather than goal-directed beings. It also makes it easier to take the focus off of yourself. A common recommendation for people experiencing sadness or even depression is to find some way to contribute to others. Having a purpose, by definition, at least at some level, involves serving other people. So volunteer, contribute, etc. When you keep your energy up, you have more in the tank to deal with setbacks. Remember, setbacks are simply stumbles, and if you're stumbling, that's a good thing. It means you're moving forward. A person standing still is not likely to stumble, but if you're standing still, you're not growing, and if you're not growing, you're likely going backwards. The brain is always looking for meaning, and when there is no context, it basically creates meaning, and since the brain and unconscious are preoccupied with keeping you safe, the meaning will likely reflect some element of danger. Couple that with the amount of advertising reminding you that you're not good enough, and you can see why there's such a challenge with anxiety in the world and having a purpose can start to chip away at that problem. The first one we'll cover is the Dunning-Kruger effect. This is similar to the overconfidence effect and reflects one's inability to recognize their own incompetence and the tendency to overestimate their skills relative to others. Now you can see this can lead to some serious disappointment. You'll often hear me talk about on-ramps in the context of, uh, of creating or accomplishing stretch goals, building an on-ramp to get there, to at least start. The reason for this is in creation mode, there's very little help from the lightning quick unconscious because the unconscious is primarily about past associations and we have to allow for some stumbling and some setbacks when we're creating. 
This can be a way to mitigate the Dunning-Kruger effect because during the on-ramp period, you're going to have more reasonable goals while you're building some nervous system memory. You're also building some foundation and you're, you're going to have learning along the way. A sign that the Dunning-Kruger effect could be in play is when a person habitually attributes his or her successes to exceptional skill and strategic thinking, but when there's a setback or a loss, they blame external factors like distractions, geopolitical events, or even bad luck. While this is not a cognitive bias that primes you, per se, it is one that I'm including because it can prevent a person from making the shift to a growth mindset. A growth mindset involves acknowledging areas for development, which can be difficult for some who are overestimating their ability. It also requires embracing skill gaps, which is a prerequisite to actively working to improve them. If you are a leader or business owner, to help mitigate the negative effects of the Dunning-Kruger effect in your organization, you can foster an environment that encourages individuals to reflect on their skills objectively, acknowledging both strengths and areas for improvement. I think this is why the start-stop-continue model for checkpoints or feedback meetings is so effective. As an individual, you can engage in ongoing learning and self-assessment to gain a realistic understanding of your skills. Consistently learning new things also makes it less daunting to admit that you can benefit from external help. It's important to keep in mind when I mention growth mindset, it is in the context that the person can have a growth mindset in one area and a fixed mindset in another area, even if it's related. Furthermore, a person can have a seemingly consistent growth mindset in a particular area, but then get triggered into a fixed mindset after a string of setbacks or maybe some unconscious experience that they're having. So it's actually less about adopting a growth mindset and more about adopting and maintaining a growth mindset. It's not all bad though, because when it comes to life expansion and operating above the line, sometimes you just need to jump and the Dunning-Kruger effect could be just the thing we need to make that jump. The next one, the hindsight bias, can also make it difficult to adopt or lean into a growth mindset. Hindsight bias refers to the act of criticizing or suggesting alternative strategies or decisions after the fact, especially when it's easier to evaluate the situation with the benefit of hindsight. Very similar to a commonly used term in the United States, Monday morning quarterbacking. In essence, both concepts highlight the human tendency to reinterpret past events in a way that makes them seem more predictable or manageable in hindsight. It's important to recognize these biases when analyzing decisions or outcomes, as they can lead to an inaccurate assessment of information and constraints that were present at the time the decisions were made. Now, this can lead to repeating past mistakes. Taken farther, people might view older self-help or leadership techniques as less effective because they believe they should have foreseen the evolution of more modern methods. However, as you've probably heard me say, most of the human brain is over a million years old, so the cognitive techniques of a couple hundred years ago are still valid. We may have a better understanding of why they work, but that doesn't change the principle. I see the hindsight bias as one that plays right into the unconscious's domain of past associations. The unconscious cannot compete with the conscious mind when it comes to creating from the field of infinite possibility, and the result is that we run the same tapes over and over. Now, sometimes they're very obvious to those around us, Yet we can't see them because we're assessing it from the same point of view that the bias was initiated, the unconscious. By leaning into embracing the constant work necessary to maintain a growth mindset and learning to take steps to get back to a growth mindset when we slip, we can remain realistic and curious. Throughout all the cognitive biases, as one learns to take a pause before reacting, seeing the unconscious automatic response 
as simply one data point and recognizing the need for more investigation, people will find that they can become less and less susceptible to the impact of the cognitive biases. The next one is probably more commonly known among business people. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. It's the reluctance to abandon an investment of time, money, or resources, even when it's not providing expected returns. In the world of securities, there are countless stories of investors and traders who could not cut their losses, waiting years and even decades for a stock to return to the price where they bought it. An example of one that is more applicable to everyday life is going to a movie or a concert that a person describes as a terrible experience, but, they, but during the event, they can't bring themselves to leave because they've spent the money on the ticket. This one is more easily countered by having implementation intentions. The implementation intention is simply stating, if XYZ happens, then I will do ABC. Or you can think of it in business terms, you can think of it in business terms, if XYZ happens, I will liquidate the remaining inventory and shift the ad spend over to product ABC. Easier said than done, true, but that's why we're covering cognitive biases. The more a person lives out of the conditioning of the unconscious, the harder it will be for them to regain control from the various cognitive biases affecting them. And so I see this as a gateway into the unconscious dilemma. That dilemma being that it's lightning fast, but it's dealing with the past and we're living in the present. The last one is the fear of missing out, often referred to as FOMO, F-O-M-O. You may think of scarcity when you hear about this one. To clarify, scarcity in itself is an inherent condition in which resources or availability of resources is limited. Sometimes marketers introduce a form of scarcity by saying an offer is only good for today. Fear of missing out is a cognitive bias that emerges as a psychological response perception of scarcity. It may seem like I'm splitting hairs, but consider this. How often have you had the perception something was scarce and that you had to act immediately or you'd miss out, only to find the exact product or service at a discounted price in the very near future? This happens when buying cars, buying services, jewelry, courses, software, and more. Virtually everything we purchase, there's someone somewhere working on creating the same for a lower cost. This is why it's important to include the word perception when talking about FOMO. And perception changes with the change in perspective. So in keeping with the driving of the distinctions between the conscious mind and the unconscious, the unconscious will provide you with an immediate perception response based on prior associations. When you can pause, view that initial reaction as merely a data point, you are now able to have a different perspective and through that perspective realize that it makes sense to see if that product or service is available from other sources. You can also look at it in the context of real urgency. Urgency does not equal importance. So asking yourself the question, what adverse impact will I experience if I don't buy this today? Or what impact will there be if I can never buy this product or service at this price? This changes your perspective. In fact, challenging the importance of anything with similar questions is a good way to create space between the unconscious initial reaction and your real assessment. There's more to come on countermeasures. It's a huge topic, and I appreciate your patience as I work through these few episodes through the lens of neural change and life expansion. It feels a little clunky to me, but I think it's an important perspective because after four to five decades of succumbing to subconscious running our lives 95% of the time, we shouldn't expect taking the reins back to be easy. So we need to stack the deck in our favor. As a coach and mentor, 
I'm very surgical with this, only highlighting the cognitive biases that's creating a limiting situation for the client. So I'm covering a lot. There's no need to remember all of them. But if there's one or two that resonate with you, then you could lean into that. So my intent with the 